it seems that given that you're now traveling that you've forgotten how to use computers and emails I, to be honest, that little um, that voice of yours sounds a little bit cracked. Like you've just been woken up by me messaging you saying, "Tom, are we doing a podcast this morning?" Busted. They're a little bit loose, a little bit unstrung, and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Putt with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. You know, I work extremely hard and then when I get the chance to rest and recover and rejuvenate, I just need some beauty sleep. And I was rudely awoken to these, my phone buzzing and annoying text messages this morning at a quarter to eight, 7.46 yeah, I think it was. What a life though, as a photographer, you just, you just sleep till whenever, take a couple of photos and go back to bed. That, that's the set. That's the vibe that I'm getting. It's so easy. It's so easy to yeah. do. I don't, I'm not sure why not everyone else is doing it, to be honest. I can tell you now, I'm the only person awake in denim at the moment. <laughs> um, I am sitting I in bet. the communal room at the Shark Bay uh, Caravan Park, which is lovely, by the way. It's actually got acoustic padding, which is pretty, pretty cool given we're doing podcasts. But um, wow. I have not seen another. There's a moth outside, um, which is pretty active, to be honest. Um, and that that is that is it. There might is- be one person wandering around, but I think they're still asleep. I think they're just genuinely sleepwalking around the caravan park. Is the Dedham Caravan Park the one that's got shells all over the, you know, the ground? It is. It's up the. It's up near the, the Shark Bay uh, supermarket up on the. Um, yeah, the- it's 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 a nice caravan park, but it's so busy here. It is just ridiculous. That's the one on the water, right at the end of the road, is it? Mm-hmm. What I'm thinking of? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, that's not, the- not on your way into town, but on the way out of town. That's the, the exclusive one. We didn't stay at that one. We had to stay at the poorer one up the road. Yeah, well, well you know, I mean, living lifestyles of the rich and famous. Then I'd also hate to see the cost of your workshops if you stayed at the fancy one, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> You've been in Lake Air and all over the joint, haven't you? Uh, uh, since we spoke several months ago outside of my favourite coffee shop. <laughs> and you know, you know the amount of fan mail we get? It's I, literally well, one or two. Know. Literally you one know. or two people have said to me s- since then, so when are you going to do another podcast? You guys haven't done another podcast in a while. Even a guy from Ireland, remember that that? That, what's his name? I want to give him a shout out. Where am I going to find that? Do you, you, you keep talking? Yeah, I think you sent. I think you sent me a text message about that, and I was really surprised, to be honest. That I mean, <laughs> firstly, that there's internet in Ireland. I'm pretty excited about that. Oh, you point. are so um, harsh. You've just alienated got, our got, island audience. Got, well done. Yeah, pretty much, that's our entire <laughs> audience. Um, no, you're right. I've got. Um, I've got Irish heritage. It's Norm. Norm in Ireland is. Norm. Is, uh, oh, thank you so fan. much. Thank you, Norm, yeah. for listening. A big shout out to Norm, who's our uh, number one favourite listener in Ireland, who sent me a lovely <laughs> message uh, during the week and uh, was talking about the fact that he loves listening to Matt and I dribble on. So isn't that lovely? Yeah, and that's the thing is that he actually – he didn't even use the term dribble on, which was exciting. I think I have, I have, I have, I have, I have, doing put, an okay job. I have put words in his mouth there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But uh, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. No, what what have we? Well, we have a guest. We also just thought I'd let you know. You know, when you bring somebody and you say, "Look, you're on speaker." This is mm. this is kind of like the Matt. We're on a podcast, but we're also on speaker because because of my lateness to this greatness post podcast. I'm I'm sitting in bed, uh, surrounded by two dogs and Mary. No, Mary's not one of the dogs. <laughs> she's the uh, dogs she's one of the she's complaining that the I mentioned the dogs first and then her. Um are you you don't have a are you travelling with a dog? Do you have a dog? I am not. I'm travelling with a two year old, which is just as exciting. She's <laughs> travelling with a two year old instead. Do you know how- do you know how many people have dogs here? It's ridiculous. Like, I mean, it's people good love traveling with the people dogs. looking after their pets, but it's yeah. No, but you know what though? Every everywhere you go, the national parks, so you rock up to the car park and there's 500 dogs in the cars, all sitting there waiting for people to come back. It's, oh, it's like they get really? to go on holidays, but they don't get to see anything. And you think, poor dogs. This is you it. Know? This is true. Yeah. So, yeah. But what, no. so, so you, you haven't answered my question. Where have you been for the last two months? Um. Well, yeah, I think since we spoke uh, on that podcast, I've been to the Kimberley for three weeks and I've been to Lake Air for two weeks. So, and ironically, just, ironically, I went to go and enter the Pano Awards just yesterday. And, and that, thought, that's oh, happening again? Yeah, that's happening again. It's coming around. It's I think today is the, like the last day of, of getting your early bird entry in. Oh, there you go. Google that one. I couldn't find anything to enter. And I'm like, hold on, I've done a fair bit of stuff, haven't I? But it feels like I've been... As in, like, just nothing of any quality or just... Quality. You know, nothing. I just thought if you could send me a couple of your files and I could enter them under my name, that would be ideal. Is that is that as long allowed? As don't put them under my name. As long as you put them under my name, because you know I don't want to be responsible for the photos I've taken recently. <laughs> Are you having a fantastic time? I can't wait to see your photos. I am having a very good time. We've beelined it. We've covered five and a half thousand kilometers in the last three weeks. Um, have you? The, did you leave three weeks ago? Yeah, it's crazy. I think it was three weeks ago. Anyway, it was we left on the third. Yeah, a couple of days into three weeks. No, one, two, wait, one, two, yeah, three, three weeks on Thursday. So um, that's pretty exciting. We've been, we, we beelined it across the Nullarbor, although I did stop in, we did, a, um, we rocked into Wyala, um, which is where they've got the giant cuttlefish migration or breeding. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to call it a migration to breed, but I'm probably wrong. Is that um, on at the moment? It is, it is on, isn't it? Yeah. Right. They run through sort of from June through to August, but they say that the larger, like these cuttlefish get up to like a million meter long. They're ridiculous size. That is but they don't come until later. So there was just tons of smaller cuttlefish, which is still really, really cool. Um, but I rocked up and, um, of course, we weren't very prepared because we were just driving past, saw the sign for whale, and we're like, hey, whale, it's got the cuttlefish. And so anyway, um, yeah, decided to turn down the road, got there, and then sort of thought, wait a second, we don't have wetsuits because we're, we're going north, so we don't didn't bring wetsuits. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we've got snorkeling gear, but I've got a rash vest and my board shorts. Um, whale is not the warmest of water at the best of times. <laughs> <laughs> so Laura did a, a, uh, a bit of a glass bottom boat tour, um, and uh, and I went out there as well and scouted, you know, just to sort of see what I'm looking for. And um, yeah, then then slipped into my um, into my swimming suit. And froze my balls off for like 45 minutes chasing cuttlefish. <laughs> Your bathing costume. Mm. 
Yeah. Um, and I tell you what, everyone around is wearing puppy jackets. They look like Kenny from South Park, you know, just their noses poking out, um, <laughs> sipping on hot coffees. And I'm walking through the car park in board shorts and a wet rash vest. And yeah, just, under their were, voice, they're all just like, oh, what's he doing? What's he doing? Nah, you were, just, you were looking like... They were look, looking like a local, mate. That's what you're doing. No, you know the dumb thing is I got down there, I got in the water, I've got my new camera. Like I haven't used my underwater camera rig as much as what I would love to have used. You know, so right. I'm, it's it's not new to me, but I've not used it like a thousand times where, you know, the buttons are just fluid. Because what they do on an underwater rig is all the buttons on your camera get re, um, I guess, repositioned with levers and things like that. So, you know, for instance, like the playback button is normally on the bottom left on mine, but with the underwater housing, it's on the top right. So it like flips everything. So it's really convenient underwater, but that means I got in the water and I'm thinking like, wait, what, where are my buttons? You had no idea. turn the stupid thing on. I wasn't even that. I actually had forgotten to line up the power switch with the little switch that, goes to the housing so i got in the water and i couldn't even turn the camera on oh <laughs> so, you rookie rookie error it's, it's, it's me trying to balance and sprint across like 200 meters of rocks to uh to get back to the caravan to dry it all off to open up the housing to reposition it to run oh. all the way back down there saturated in the wind and the cold it was just it, there's a photo on my um my facebook of, of some really miserable looking kangaroos in the rain um and that that's basically a reflection of me because um, they were from the same spot. That was that was the weather. Anyway, that was good that. Yeah. You can see that. I've got it here now. I'm scrolling through your feed as we speak, and I will put this in the show notes, of course. But anyone who'd like to follow along on Matt's adventures, jump onto his uh, Facebook page, which is Matt Crummins Photography. And you will see it there. Yeah. You'll see it there, Matt Crummins. Sorry, creative name. Creative way of renaming that one as well, didn't I? I know, I know. You went all out <laughs> on that one. That must have taken you ages. So you've got yeah. some beautiful photos of some little cuttlefish there. So you did see quite a few of them. It was it was a oh, tick the box. Yeah. yeah. I was, it was good fun. I really enjoyed it. It was enjoyable. And you know what it was? It was the first sort of, because we've been driving for long days, it was the first time I'd stopped and gone, no, no, I'm just purely doing, I'm not doing this for fun. Like getting in the water with that cold was just not that much fun. So this was almost purely just to get the photos. And it was so nice to feel like I was dedicating myself back into that sport again. This is that, that what's yeah. the purpose of the trip? Is the purpose of the trip twofold? One, to spend time with the family and two, to get more photography done? I reckon, yeah, I'd say that it's, it, to me, it's, um, I mean, it's obviously Laura doesn't see it as a photography trip. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Sorry, she won't no, listen to the podcast, so you can say what you you need to. No, it's a, it's a, it is a trip to, to make up for lost time for photography. A bit like you, you know, I've gone gone through my catalogue recently and kind of gone, wait a second, I, I haven't taken photos in forever. And so this is just building up that catalogue again and three months is enough to get some serious stuff done. But um, yep. equally, we both love exploring, and and you know, Laura's actually very helpful in doing what we um, what we do because she, you know, uh, not only is she patient with it, but she goes and scouts a lot of the location. Not scouts, but we'll research the locations that we're heading to whilst I'm busy doing other things. So uh, well, it's a good teamwork, and um, yeah, it sounds so, like it. Sounds yeah, but I, you know, what? I have a topic for us today, Thomas. You stop it. You, this will be a first. I'm wow, sure Matt, this, you, you need to get out of more often. This, 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 you know, this fresh, you know, Australian air, this, this, this wind blowing off the sea is is providing this inspiration for you. This is fantastic. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, the, the thing is, 
So as you know, I bought a drone, much like everyone else on the planet. Um, mm-hmm. Although I've not seen that many, like there's a lot of them up here, but they're not anywhere near as rampant and horrible as what I thought they'd be. Right. Um, so I've been enjoying taking some coastal shots and it truly does give you a different, um, I mean, I'm going to use the word perspective of it, but it's like... How about you know, appreciation? Yeah, appreciation. But I mean, even from an, just purely a photography aesthetics, it's like I do find that, especially with Australian landscapes, like if you look at like Bunda Cliffs and stuff like that, like they're stunning to look at, but to photograph them, unless you're willing to sort of hang your tripod over the cliff, you can't get the shot along the cliff really. Like it's pretty, there's so many flat spaces around Australia that are stunning, mm. but mm. unless you get that elevation, you really don't see it. And I guess that's probably where a lot of your aerial stuff comes from is, you know, you go to a beach and it might be an amazing aerial shot, but from the sand, you kind of look at it and go, it's just the beach. You can't see yeah, it anything under it. Yeah, yeah. And so I've... I've angle. Yeah. Well, that's it. I've been trying to, um, you know, explore a bit with... Very respectfully, by the way, for all those people <laughs> who about respectfulness with drones. I, I will wait till people clear the beach before I launch that thing. Um, yeah. But... But I've been having a look at a bit, bit of aerial stuff. And, of course, we're in Shark Bay at the moment. And you're pretty famous for Shark Bay. So I wanted to – I thought we could – I could grill you on some Shark Bay stuff. Of course. Of course. Let's do that. Have you done your flight yet or not? No, that's why I want to grill you. Um, <laughs> I do. I do. Tell me before you, – you've got – when's your next Shark Bay trip? Is the we question. come there in October. Is it full? Uh, yeah, no, I think we've got one or two places left. So if people are interested, just, uh, you know, send me a message, tom at tomputt.com, and I'll send you all the info. Yeah, why? Are you, are you booking you. in, Matt? You're booking in. No, it's just, I just think that having been here, I've not been up this way before. I've never been to the West Coast really in any, um, other than being like, you know, a kid, like in Perth or something like that. And I just think it's, for, when it comes to photography and diversity, a lot of people like, you know, places like Bright and stuff because you've got the mountains and you've got the landscapes and you've got this and you've got that. Um, from here, there are just so many cool spots and so much diversity to photograph. So yeah. I, I reckon that if you're in the market for you know, to, for a trip, something that you're looking for, I really think that this is, It's I, I think it's just so much more than just, you know, some nice pretty aerial shots like the, the, the cliffs here, the, the just everything. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I it, think it'd be if you're if you're into that stuff, your trip is really well worth it. The whole of the WA coast is spectacular, and it's uh, it can't be underestimated because it is just so vast. What mm. the heck is going on there? Keep... It's nearly six thirty, so people are waking up and coming in and out now. It's so starting to years. it's starting to uh, get busy there. Yeah. Um, so it is vast. Yeah. And it's magnificent, and uh, you do need time to explore it all, as I'm sure that's what you're doing. Um, Shark Bay is interesting because you've got, you know, probably best known, unfortunately, to the general public to the for the dolphin feeding that happens at Monkey Mire, which is on the uh, eastern side of the peninsula. But uh, we we base ourselves at that um, at that place at the resort that's there, which is absolutely lovely. And then the airport is just, you know, a 10 or 15-minute drive away. And then from there, we charter the, the light planes there to be able to fly out over Shark Bay, which is a 1 million hectare marine sanctuary, World Heritage Marine Sanctuary, um, home to obviously lots of sharks and and um, dolphins and manta rays and one of the largest 
populations of dugongs in the world. I think about 15,000, something like that. So it's yeah, so hold on, the, the dugongs. I need to ask you about the dugongs because sea cows. this is like on, yeah, on my total like 100% bucket list. And um, do you know anything about where to find these dugongs? Um, yes, I, I've tell you the best thing to do. I would um, get dressed up in your snorkeler mask, jump in a plane, and then fly at low levels. And when you see one, just jump out of the plane into the water, and that's probably your best chance. Yeah, that's literally skydiving, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying, you're best to do it without a parachute because you know you don't want to yeah. land in water and the parachute getting your shot. You know, get in the way. Yeah, you know, no, tangled yeah, up in it. Totally. So just, but, just but dugongs, they hang around the coastline, don't they? they? They, they're not. They don't just like plot out in the deep. I would probably have to say they that I've never, I've, I've never seen one before. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. I'm, I'm going to be all over this now. Yeah, Matt. It's anyway, I'm going to leave that okay. to you. You're going to be all over it. That's right. for sure. No, look. Obviously, um, dugongs, million they, hectares. Yeah. <laughs> You've only got a million hectares to cover. It's not yeah, a lot, really. Start. That's why I get up early. This is it. This is it. You got to work hard on these holidays, Matt. You know, like if you want the money shots, <laughs> you've got to work hard. You uh, dugongs occur in the shallow coastal waters of northern Australia, from Queensland, New South Wales border. <laughs> In the east to Shark Bay on the West Australia coast. There's Mary just doing a little bit of googling while we're talking here. Thanks, Mary. Apparently, Monkey Mire is the only place in the world where you can see dugongs readily. I don't believe that for a start. That's dumb because <laughs> that's firstly that's written by Monkey Mire Wild Sightings, which is basically <laughs> just a blatant promotion for themselves because there are places all over the world where you can see them very reliably and i've never heard of them being seen here and tom you've been here heaps and you've never seen them so the best, you know what false advertising the, false. Best, the best place to find them is says if you are dead set on spotting a sea cow you ready because you're gonna have to write this down egypt is the best place to go <laughs> so if you're not far from egypt you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong oh. spot Matt. You're in the wrong spot. So to say that you're still in Australia and you need to jump on a plane and go to Egypt in order to see these things. I can't believe I booked the wrong holiday again. Uh, again, this is this is rank. Have you done any? Anyway, back, back, Have you back done any diving in Egypt? By the way, apparently it's spectacular. I a, yeah, I had a trip plan, and no, I haven't. But I had a trip. Um, I was meant to go out there and video um, the sharks in the Red Sea, but um. Anyway, COVID hit and that project got cancelled, which was sad. Anyway, my, back to happy my topics. Friend, my good friend Ian Wallace, who, who big shout out to Ian, who's just helped me put together yet another book, which I'm sure him. you're about to ask me about. Um, he has gone diving in, he's a keen scoop diver. He's done it in, I think, the Red Sea or in Egypt or one of those places. Mm. So yep. We shall put you in touch with him. Um, <sighs> am I getting distracted? You are getting distracted, but I'm also now just picturing the Red Sea. Now I don't want to be here. <laughs> what's the weather like? Is it cold or what's the deal? No, nah, it's it's about 27 to 30 degrees during the day. Yeah. But that does make the water feel cool. Like I'm, we're definitely swimming, but it's not like, oh, my God, how great is this water temperature? It's like, oh, if you jump in and stay in there for two, three minutes, then it starts. Oh, like oh okay. <laughs> it drops off pretty quick. Yeah. Ollie and I were there in April back in 2017. And it would have. It was baking hot. It was thirty-five degrees plus during the day, and not much wind. Mm. And then warm in the water. I mean, he just spent the whole day in the water. 
So yeah. no, it's like the water's still 23 degrees or something, which is very warm. Oh, that's nice. Water, like ocean water, but it's because it's so warm outside, the water yeah. feels yeah. cold, you know, like it's, we actually found it was the water down further south felt warmer because the temperature is yes. lower. But yeah. 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 Look, well, when you I- tell me about Shark Bay, Thomas. When I, did my, <laughs> when I did my winter solstice <laughs> nude swim down in Hobart just recently, I mean, the water did feel, you know, just balmy because it was so cold outside. So, yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, the, the, you might say that, but the visuals certainly didn't. I hope that's giving people <laughs> lots of good visuals. Um, okay. <laughs> you you want to do, you want to do like um, a couple of flights. There's, there's spectacular stuff out to the east of the airport, which is where all the beautiful blue colours are. And then to the north, uh, you've got a four-wheel drive, haven't you? We do. Have you been up into Cape Peron National Park yet? Well, that's where we're heading next. So we've just done um, Useless Loop um, and we went out right out to the most westerly point on mainland, which yes, was pretty cool. Point. Now, right where the Dirk, yeah, and we stayed at the um, Shelter Bay, which is where the Dirk Hartog Ferry goes from. That was really cool. Um, definitely four-wheel drive territory. We just took the swag. We didn't take the caravan. Right. Three of us in a swag. That was hilarious. Um, oh, God, that would have been crazy. It was, well, it's a big, it's a double swag. So it's actually quite spacious, but oh, yeah. we've never co-slept with Isla ever. Like she's never, right. ever once slept no. in our bed. No. And so the first experience of being on a beach and then being, you know, read a bedtime story on a beach and then being put in a canvas sack um, whilst we drank wine and then all of us bundling in there later together. She, oh, we didn't realise she, she sleeps sideways, upside down across like you wake up in the middle of the night and she'd just be like staring at you eye to eye and she's just like the most <laughs> terrifying thing and then she'd just look at you boop you on the nose and then fall asleep on your stomach or something you know, just really weird stuff that makes you just not sleep well wasn't, she wasn't loud or noisy it was just like what the hell are you doing classic that's fantastic <laughs> cute, yeah, uh, yeah but yes no so we need a four-wheel drive Kate Perron that's where we're heading next yeah and you're going to take the caravan in there can you you can, yep. I think you probably can. Yep. It's the truck's not too bad. Yep. Yeah, no, well, we can definitely get get in there. Um, it's a spectacular spot, and there's great camp spots all up the left hand side there. As so, this you is know, what I, I've, so I've got a list of questions for you, Tom, because I thought this is probably the first time we've had a conversation, um, like a, a a podcast conversation where we're talking about a topic that I'm genuinely not at all across. You know, like I've got a, an I've got an idea. I thought you were going to say that you're about. genuinely interested in. <laughs> no, <laughs> also that no, no. But it's the first. Like I, I, you're obviously incredibly experienced with this stuff, and I've been fumbling my way through it. Like, and I can, you know, I can get my way around. But I'm, I've got a list of questions here that I think people will find interesting, and I'm going to find them terribly interesting as well. So, you're talking about Cape Perron National Park now. Yep. I've been told a few different things to think about, right? Because I'm also aware that a lot of these places are brilliant photography locations, but yeah. if you can shoot them by, say, drone um, at a low, you know, like low altitude to get that kind of, you know, beautiful shot. Yeah. Um, or if you can shoot them from the ground, like given most people, myself included, have limited time in the sky, you want to make the most of things that are best shot from a plane. Yes. So how do you go about, um, finding where to go? Like, is it, you speak to, obviously speak to the pilots and stuff, but, you know, one piece of advice I was given is to look at Google Earth and, or Google Maps and sort of have a look at formations and stuff like that. 
But then I'm looking at going, well, hold on, how do I get a sense of scale? Like if you zoom back far enough on Google Earth, everything looks bloody cool. So <laughs> how, do you, how do you go about saying, hey, these are the places I want to hit or I want to check out? Oh, with, 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 with flying in planes, it's sometimes it's a bit of Google Maps. It's a bit of your own research online to, to look at what others' works have been done. And then, to, to be honest, the, the, my most favourite part is just hire a plane, speak to the pilots mm. who might have some idea about, you know, photography or at least what looks good, and then say, just take me there. And a lot of it's just exploratory flying where you just go, mm. well, go for a couple of hours and just see what we find. And I love that because you can stumble across things that you weren't expecting. So a bit like, you know, that unexpected Christmas present when you open it, it's it's a really nice surprise. So that's my favourite type of flying, to be honest. I don't like to plan it too much because then um, there's no element of surprise. Yeah, right. Okay, because that's, that, that's pretty much what I, like my approach to thinking about it was like, well, have a rough idea of, you know, they're going to ask you which direction do you want to go and mm. have a chat to them. But I look at, as an example, if I go onto Google Maps and I look at Big Lagoon on Google Maps, yep. Yep. Um, it looks, you know, like with all the, the, the pot marks and stuff like that, it looks incredible from a scale of, you know, like 10,000 you know, or 10, 10 kilometres across. But obviously when you're flying, you're only flying at what, probably like 10,000 feet, is it? Not even. No, we fly at 15, 2,000 feet, not even, depending on what we're so, so you're quite low. So therefore, like... Yeah, so if you were looking at doing a research like on a, on Google Maps or whatnot, you actually you would be quite zoomed in on the map to get a an idea of what that formation would look like yeah. from the height that you would be flying. Yeah, just from, that, yeah, yeah. But remember too, also when you're looking at something from Google Maps, you're looking straight down. Whereas sometimes you're not. Well, some a lot of time you're not photographing straight down when you're shooting aerials too. You can be looking across, mm. you know, at a forty five degree yeah. angle, including the horizon. So it's not. Google Maps is just a guide as opposed to, oh, this is definitely what I'm going to get, especially with Shark Bay that changes so much. You get a lot of yeah. sand and sand drifts, et cetera, that mean that on Google Maps you might see a really cool pattern and then fly over it and realise it's completely different because the map's, you know, two years old. So everything uh, yeah, yeah. is a guide. Um, and and like, like other places I go, sticking to the coast often works best because when you go inland, it's just very much the same, which doesn't mean you shouldn't go inland, but you don't want to be flying aimlessly across a landscape with not much to see or photograph versus yeah, you need a feature coastline, to, which seems to constantly yeah. change. Yeah. And then I also and like what about- varying the heights as well. So, you know, just intuition sometimes tells me that I need to be down lower versus up high and vice versa. So I like mixing that up a bit as well. And so that, that kind of brings me to two questions. One, you said before that you're shooting often in Google Maps. Well, not often. You're, you're looking down on Google Maps. And as you say, you very rarely probably looking directly down 90 degrees. Um, and I've noticed that actually with drones. You know, you can get your little gimbal thing right down to 90 degrees, which makes yep. some, some cool shots. Like some, some shots yep. you kind of go like, that's a really perfect perspective. Yep. But especially um, when there is like, as you said, a sand formations or even the seaweed, you know, the dark seaweed patterns. Yep. you know, contrasted, you do need to shoot on that bit of an angle. What I notice in a lot of the shots that I've been taking that kind of annoys me, and I'm not sure if it annoys me because I expect it to not be there or what, but, um, you know, when you're shooting not straight down, in the corners of your images, you often get a little bit of the sky reflection on the water. 
right. just comes in that form of that little bit of haze. Yep. That now, is that it? You know, in aerial photography, is that kind of like seen as a flaw, or is that seen uh, as can... like a, a feature? That feature you're referring to, Matthew, in, in photographic terms, so I can seem a little bit more geeky than you, is called a specular highlight. And uh, you can't actually expose for that because it's like light coming off the rim of a glass. It's it's too bright. It's like the sun. The sun is a specular highlight. I'm looking at your beautiful drone shot from the great Australian bite here. And, uh, you know, obviously the sun is much brighter than everything else. And, and so... You don't want to expose for that because otherwise everything else around the sun or around that specular highlight is way too dark. So you've got to expose for your majority of your subject matter, which would be the water, for example. I'm not a massive fan of having that as an inclusion when I'm shooting my aerials. I like to sort of wait for the plane to come around a little more, you know, if you're doing an orbit, for example, a 360-degree orbit around something. I like to wait for that to disappear before I take the shot because it's obviously... Sometimes it's not the best lighting to shoot um, mm. into that highlight. I notice even, even when you get, don't get the highlight, but you sort of just get like a, cloud, a you know, um, an, a little bit of cloud reflection in the corner. So it's not overexposed. It's just yep. not as. I don't mind that. Color. I don't mind yeah, that. So I, I don't mind that cloud in a, a shot. Like um, I think the mistake that I've made in the past for shooting aerials is I've just waited for a bright, fine, sunny day to shoot over, say, Shark Bay, which brings out the colour in the water, of course, but then some cloud patterns over the water um, can look amazing and be reflected in the water itself. So you get that double whammy, which can look amazing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not averse to including that in the shot, that's for sure. Um, can I continue my grilling? Yeah, of course, I'm. I'm happy. Or am to I giving away? Or is this basically? Is basically this just? If it's, if it's not a workshop online. <laughs> if it's not. If it's not Mary giving me grilling, it's you. So they, this is good. Oh gosh, that's, that, that sounds very awkward. Given that you're podcasting from bed next to her. Yeah, I'm um, going to take a photo and put it on the socials for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Mary's just tucked under the covers. Mary, uh, go on, Matthew. I do love that, that that we're doing this podcast and we're finally, for the first time in history, talking about a topic that's your thing and you feel like, I feel like you're falling asleep slowly during this podcast. <laughs> you started off with this high energy and now, Tom, you sound like you should practically just drift off and I'll be talking to Mary for the rest of the... Give me... That's it. That's it. That's it. Give me another <laughs> coffee. Go on. So, all right. All right. So the next question on here, um, obviously time of day, tides and wind. These are things that, to me, would make my alarm bells go off, going, if you've got a windy day, it's going to break up the surface a lot, so you're going to get a lot more of that specular highlight, as you say. Um, you possibly... Yeah, but hold on a second. Take, take some hold clarity on. out. Hold on. Stop you there. I've actually used wind at Shark Bay to my advantage to give a beautiful texture on the water, and, and therefore oh. it looks very painterly and and almost like you've added a Photoshop filter, when, of course, I haven't. Right. So, he can use of course, I haven't. Of course, I haven't. Don't be so quick I to jump to that conclusion. I am a, I'm not a photographer. I am an artist, and everything and I do it. must be in camera. It's <laughs> my worst um, than ever. Yeah, it wasn't great. Um. No, sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll work on it. Yeah, so the wind you can use to your favor, although obviously, um, you know, it would be best to start off without it, but. If it happens to come, you just you just roll with it, you know. Mm. 
What's so it doing at the end of the moment? Is it like windy in the mornings or the oh, afternoons pretty, or is there no prediction or is it windy the whole time? It's actually pretty windy this morning. Um, but that said, it's if you look at the ocean around us, it's been dead flat. Like you could stand up paddleboard between, um, you know, right across the bay. Oh, I like that you're looking at my photo in that image. And um, I am. It, I'm, it, I'm enjoying it. Hold on, Tom. In that photo, what's on the bedside table there? <laughs> oh mary oh my gosh oh gosh and here i was I asked her to put it away it's embarrassing when the kids come in and they have to they have to you know ask those awkward questions it really is mary oh gosh god forbid that's scary yeah i'm gonna leave that alone um oh well, we yeah well, that mary mary um, mary can't stop leaving it alone <laughs> Oh no, I'm so sick, a little bit sick. Uh, um, <laughs> all right, so in that behaviour, she's actually left. She's left, left the bedroom. I'm surprised. I'm not. Surprised oh dear. So my next question on this one, right? So, so you've got the wind. You say can be used to your advantage. Obviously, mixture is good. Time of day, though. So as you say, um, towards the middle of the day, when you get the the sun coming straight down, you get all the colour. Yeah, and obviously it's nice to have you know sunset colours as well. But yeah. I mean, like, what what if you were again someone who is doing you know you you've got one one shot at this, you don't have the benefit of yeah. being here all week on a workshop or something. Is right. this like a would you would you choose like a sunset? Would you choose, or maybe would you fly from like three till five so you get a better bit of both? You know. Yeah, well, um, I think just the ultimate is to come on one of my amazing workshops. But uh, if you only had one, go- well, see, the thing is, Shark Bay is so vast; it's hard to do in one flight. But if if it were me, if it were me, and I was there in Shark Bay for, for just one flight, I'd be looking to do sort of like a mid morning to avoid any potential, you know, strong winds. But then I love the mm. idea of getting that um, color in the water, particularly. To the eastern side there, um, on the in the bay there, uh, and look, it seems kind of intuitive to go when the light's not ideal, you know, in inverted commas from a landscape photography perspective. But um, that's the beauty of shooting with the sun above you in Shark Bay is that it does bring out the color, and the color is what it's all about over there. So um, I like. You can shoot on Cape Peron, for example, as well during those sort of mid-morning bright sunny days because the colour is going to look spectacular with the red cliffs contrasted with the blue ocean. Mm. So so my my answer is if you could give me one ideal time to shoot, it would be mid-morning where the sun's quite high versus, you know, early morning sunrise or late afternoon sunset even though the colour will still somewhat be there, um, it just it just doesn't suit that landscape as well as where it does other places where you want texture and you want beautiful colour. Like, you know, for example, Lake Eyre, right? Ideally, you're shooting early morning, late afternoon. You've got that cross lighting, which is bringing out the subtle textures in the landscape and the, and the landscape's not very tall, so you need that. You need, And yet... And yeah. not a lot of colour either, so you need that colour to be enhanced. Whereas in Shark Bay, it's almost the opposite. It's it's mm. all about colour and the colour is so intense that you want to take advantage of that. The best times of the, of the day for that is 
is obviously around, you know, nine till three or 10 till four or whatever you want to say, um, just because that's when the sun is high and it's penetrating into the water and it's bringing out the color. <laughs> With a, what, um, Tom, I just heard your collar rattling. Um, I, I feel like um, next time we do a podcast from bed, maybe you could take off um, <laughs> the previous night's costume before uh, before you start. My um, beautiful little boy. Look at him. Isn't he gorgeous? <laughs> He's here with I me. I hope you're talking about the dog. He's come to stay with me. <laughs> He's our third child. You see, he came to our, into our lives when, um, when, when uh, you know, Rebecca and I broke up and we have this beautiful little third child and whenever the kids come and stay with me, Mickey comes to stay with me as well and he, he loves all the hugs and attention, don't you, beautiful boy? And he's here with me now. Um, what are you whispering? <laughs> What are you whispering? Somebody's whispering. Um, no, no, I just I, um, I, I have um, as I said, we're, I'm in a very communal space doing this. So. That's all right, mate. It's all good. It's the, it's continuing the theme like last uh, podcast. Yeah, that's what we did last, the last exactly. <laughs> seagulls, cars, people, <laughs> coffee cups, everything. The two of us banging on. Yeah. So, so with this, um, I'm looking. Um, I'm looking on your Shark Bay gallery at the moment, and I can t- completely see the difference. Like, if, if anyone wants to jump on there, it is tomput.com slash collection slash shark dash bay dash print. Um, or you can just go on the website and navigate this incredible animated menu that he's created, and you can definitely see the difference. Like, I think that there's is it Blind Creek. I think is one of the. That's to me. Yep. That should have been called something Octopussy because it looks like an octopus tentacle. But um, but the, I've given it the actual name of the of the location there, which is Blind Creek, which is right near town, yeah. by the way. Go on. No, there you go. Um, yeah, you can see the beautiful is... cross lighting in that. That was very late yeah. coming back from Useless Loop. You see, the other thing is, yeah. like, I know what you're going to say, is that, um, you know, Useless Loop with that with that um, shark, or the, 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 sorry, salt ponds is, is brilliant to mm. photograph. You know, if you like that sort of industrial look, I know it's very, very, very well done these days. Everyone else has done it. but um, Well, I did some of that down at um, Gre- uh, Port Gregory. Right, I've you got did. Shot up on my thing. Um, yeah, it's very. The colours are a bit intense. Um, did but, you do that from drone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Me, me, and the other seven hundred people. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> there was actually yeah. There was probably about I reckon there was been six in the sky all. No, um, but you know what? Not yeah. But no one was doing it. See, when I say no one was doing it seriously, it was mostly people take using them to take selfies. No one which, was doing it as good as you, Matt. That's what you're trying to say. Well, it was being very humble there. Was, being very humble. Everyone was very low. Um, low, but yeah. No, look, there was a lot of. Um, I've seen a few of them around, but just, people complain about them a lot, and I do too. In Victoria, I find them more obnoxious. They're a bit like jet skis. Up here, though. Oh I'm yes, yeah, jet skis. Jet skis of the sky. Drones. Da, 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 da. They are. Isn't that funny? I think drones are drones are incredibly annoying when you're not the one flying them, but then as soon as you're the one flying them, they have a purpose and they're they're perfectly okay. Yeah, well <laughs> I mean I I feel so conscious every time I'm like, I want to take some shots. I, I, we, I usually drive to like the second car park. Yeah. You know, where there's no one around to try and yeah. at least to launch it. Because by the time I get up the altitude that I'm gonna be shooting from, yeah, you can't hear it anyway. No. But it's no. yeah. We did have one funny one the other day. She was sitting on the beach in Denham and this bloke, his wife was obviously wanting to do some sunbaking and he was just bored shitless. And he was not the sunbaking kind of guy, but he sat there with this little tiny baby drone. I don't know if it was a little mini Mavic or something. It was miniature, but it was really, you know, the same annoying sound, but tiny. 
and he just right. kept, like taking it off to three meters and then landing it in front of him. So <laughs> down, down. I'm like, what are oh, you doing, buddy? Like preserving battery life or something. That's but, a um, classic. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah. Right. The uh-huh. um, but uh, okay. So sorry, I'm going to back to my questions because I think this is this is why from the first um. As I said, the first podcast where people are going to go, oh my god, they talk about something relevant. They actually, and, you know, they actually added some value. I actually learned something. Yeah. yeah. Wow, well, there's so a first. I've only been doing this for like two years. Anyway, go on. Know, yeah. Well, look, we've got to start somewhere. Hey, I'm just excited about photography again. Do you know how much I, I love know? Photos? I can hear it in your yeah. voice. I'm actually, yeah. I'm actually expecting you to take the piss anytime soon, but you actually genuinely sound excited to be out and about which is awesome because it's showing in your photographs as well like this one from the cliffs um on the great australian bite did you camp there is that is that your shot that was that's our that is our your campsite um, caravan camp there yeah oh just amazing for those who haven't seen it what's the name of this one called that one oh that area that's Bundercliffs. that's on the border of south australia and western australia right and and for those who um, and it's all free camping Oh, that's magnificent. So for those who don't know, here in Australia, we've got something called the Great Australian Bite, which is this huge area. <laughs> to our water. international audience, thanks. To man. our international <laughs> Matt, Matt, you laugh. The majority <laughs> of the people that listen to this podcast are international audience. We have millions that's, listening. Is that is that because they, that English is a second language and they think <laughs> that's interesting or... <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe this podcast has been prescribed in some sort of like overseas university as English as a second language to, for for them to learn English. <laughs> he's a, oh, he's a way to learn Aussie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's and they just gonna play start it. making like they play it. sex jokes in their class because Tom. Yeah, they play it ad nauseum to their class until they learn it, not word for word. Um, those cliffs that extend all the way, basically from sort of Adelaide across to Perth very generally speaking that i've not been yeah. i've not done that that section did you find the nullarbor plane interesting or boring as batshit mm, uh well i listened to twinkle twinkle little star about five million times um, right no um the it was it was a combination to be perfectly honest i felt like the drive part of the part of the issue i think was that I get a lot of anxiety before these trips because I'm walking yes. out in business for, for a month or three months or whatever. And that leave, means leaving all my clients behind. It means yeah. pausing all my workshops. It means not responding to emails properly. And that's not me. Like Not I'm even not responding person. to comments on your Facebook page properly. Do you want I me to ever. be your admin and to to reply here? Do you, you know want me why to... I don't reply? Is because I if I find that whenever I... <laughs> this is really bad, but... You are so rude. I, I don't reply on there because I only get to, like, I don't use Facebook much. I post a photo and I usually don't right. go on Facebook to post it. I post it from my little app that lets me do it to all my things. And the thing is, I don't get on there very often. So if I reply to some people, then I feel like I give them preference. You <laughs> have. Oh, I don't reply is, to anyone. This is it. You've like, got 24 comments on this bundle cliffs and you've replied to somebody who said, please tell us where it is. And you've replied to Tracy. Good on you, Tracy. That was easy. Question. It was a really easy answer. And then but there's. What do I say when people say "nice shot"? I'm like, "Thank you." Two other know. people. I feel like. No, 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 Matthew. You're not listening. Two other people who have said, "Wow, epic." Where is this? Where are you going, Matt? And for how long? People are crying out to hear you from you. And I'm going to have to answer. I'm going to make shit up. That's what I'm going to do. You can, you can just yeah, that'd be great if you could populate Tom, all the comments. That'd be great. Tom and I are on a <laughs> on our honeymoon. honeymoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
yeah, bringing a few randos in tow, and uh, and yeah, and we're away for twelve months, if not more. That's what I'm going to write. Did you see um, Cam? Did you see Cam Blake's uh, Photoshop job the other day? I, I did. thought that was quite. Uh, that I was did. brilliant. Even Laura laughed. I'm thinking Laura's going to crack it at this because, like, she really liked that photo, and oh, for it to be butchered, I'm thinking Cam oh, has gone. She just it. lost it. She right. lost it. It was so funny. Yeah, but Cam um. Ruined it for yeah. everybody, and a shout out to Nick Fletcher as well because we always do that. On this yeah, podcast. definitely. But oh, you know, he's got COVID at the moment, and he's actually quite sick. So, oh, um, oh, well, well, yeah, unconfirmed whether he'll make it or not. But um, <laughs> uh, no, That's I think he terrible. did. Say, he did he's, it was funny. I mean, it's not funny at all. It's obviously it's not funny because he's sick. No, but, it's so um, no, it's so he said like, he got bad luck for him. Go on. Oh, this is a joke, right? He goes, he goes, I've got COVID. He sent that in an email and kind of like brush it off like, oh, yeah, I got COVID, so I'm stuck at home all week anyway. So send me a list of all the stuff that we need to do and I'll get onto it. And I'm thinking that's that's awesome because I just haven't been doing stuff as much as what I needed to. Yeah. And um, yeah, anyway, <laughs> I've just written back, because uh, that just sounded so casual. I just sent him a photo back of me on the beach with a beer saying, oh, I hope isolation's all right. At least it's rubbish weather or something like that. He just wrote back going, you're a dick. And, um, and sure enough, I sort of said to him, follow up a few days later, I go, oh, so, you know, COVID's still mild. He goes, it was never mild. I was nearly in hospital. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. So now I feel like a bit of an asshole. But anyway. He's no, right, so. well, he's used to that from you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you got any questions? No, I've got, I've got two more questions. Oh. Um, I will say the Nullarbor was mostly that anxiety was like, I was just trying to beeline it across just to get to somewhere warmer. Bundercliffs, amazing. Outside of Bundercliffs, the nothingness for quite a while was pretty okay. Um, there was, outside of that though, there's not, you know, a huge amount. Norseman actually, just out of Norseman, there was some pretty cool stuff, but that yeah. was on the other end of, of the ball. So it's a well worth the good, it's well worth the drive. It really is. Um, the $3 a litre fuel price, not so much, but, um, and the headwind, uh, but it, it was, oh, it was interesting. And Bundercliffs, I'd say just for Bundercliffs alone, if, you, if you're doing this trip, um, one thing that's really cool, we're doing it in the busiest time of the year um, where everyone heads north for the winter. Um, I will say if you're doing it, do consider doing it the direction we're going. So we're going the unconventional route across an olive first, then up north and then down the centre. Most people go the other way to get to this, the summer weather faster. But down south, dead quiet. Like we yeah. had entire campsites to ourselves. We've been able to book even up through Monkey Mire and everything. We've not had any real trouble booking anything when we needed to. Getting into camps, free camps are all available. Whereas you go the other way around and you're kind of travelling with that big pack, and it's it's quite hard to to get away from it. So um, we're hoping that continues up north. I know it'll get busier, but um, but at least we've had the first sort of month. It's going to be nice and quiet. The yeah. other question I had, because I know we're running out of time, so the last two questions on my list here were: um, you were talking about different. Um, different altitudes for these shots, right? So, so varying your altitude to get different um, variants in your photos. Yeah. Do you, now, I know traditionally you used to only shoot with your large format. You only had like a 24 mil lens. What do you shoot with or what would you take with you if, uh, if you're doing these sorts of shoots? Like, my instinct is like a, a 70 to 200, but then I'm thinking, no, maybe if you just use the altitude, maybe you can get away with like a 20. Yeah, anyway. yeah. I think the common misconception is that, uh, is that you can, um, that you need a special lens or a long lens in order to shoot aerials. Um, whereas mm. 24 to 70, 24 to 105 is an ideal lens, I find, depending on your shooting style. But for most people, that's all you need. 
24 lets yeah. you wide to get the horizon in the shot and get that sort of more like um, Bundercliff type shot that you've got here versus mm. you know, the, the 70 or the 105 where you're zooming in because you're pointing straight down more like a traditional drone shot. So you don't need a specialist lens and um, 70 to 200 would only be if you're flying um, too high, for example, or you really like abstracts and that's all you're going to keep. Because the other thing I think it's with that that sort of, um, I guess, those shots is because you're in a plane and much like a helicopter as well, actually, you get the props. I mean, the helicopter, you often on a, you use a 16 to 35, which people think, again, landscape wide shot. Because there's nothing in the foreground, you do end up with a lack of, you know, visual subject, like a, a defined yeah. interest point. But you yeah. also, I think, um, you tend to then shoot out at 16 and it's not till you get home that you realise you've got the props in the, in the top of the shot yeah. as well. Yep. Um, and I imagine that in an, in an overwing, because it's, it's an overwing aircraft, I imagine that you're going to get a lot of the aircraft infrastructure in your shots if you're not, you know, you don't have that ability to zoom a little bit more. Depends on the aircraft you're using, but if you're in like a Cessna 172, which is the most popular, you know, aircraft for this type of work across the world, you end up with the, either a window open or the door off. You've got the wing strut, which is in, immediately sort of in front of you, and then you've got the wheel, which is immediately behind you. So you're either shooting through the fuselage on the wing strut to look forward at a 45-degree angle, or you're shooting backwards behind you to shoot more into that sort of open gap, but you've got to be aware of the, the, the wheel, the wing, and the wing strut as well if you shoot too wide. So you almost have to sort of turn with your... 45 degrees, 90 degrees with your back to the pilot, lean back onto the pilot in order to shoot through that, that favoured gap behind you. Um, and if you've got a long lens like a 70 to 200, uh, that's worse still because then the lens starts to protrude out the window or out the fuselage and you get that wind buffer. So um, hence having a shorter lens probably works best in that scenario as well, but not 16 to 35, more like a 24 to 105. I mean, the other thing is that a big lens like that, especially as you say, if you get caught in the wind, you know, seventy to two hundred can become quite unwieldy. Like it is, a, it's a, it is, a, you know, quite a long piece of yeah, kit. Whereas a twenty-four to seventy or a twenty-four one hundred five is, yeah, much much healthier um, size lens. Yes, can you ask those people behind if my porridge is ready, please? Uh, that porridge is ready. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then get them to put on the scrambled eggs afterwards. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. right, last question, because I know we're running out of time, and I've, I'm, I know that I've been. This is I've, I've basically got myself a Tom part one-on-one photography class this morning, so- and so have all of our listeners, to be honest. So you can thank yeah. me later, team. Um, <laughs> Very good. Em- thank you. Emails to info at macromansphotography.com. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Norm. Um, the other, the last question I have for you: polarizers. A yes or a no for aerial photography oh, because you think I, with the reflections you get rid of them, but then I know they come with they come with tax as well. Oh, so you what? Yeah, polarize. I, I think I think aerial photography and people will laugh at me is hard enough, and unless you've done enough aerial photography, you won't know what the hell I'm talking about. But aerial photography is hard enough without having to complicate it by putting a polarizing picture on your lens. So the polarizing filter, if fully polarized, is going to take away two stops of light and you can't really afford to unless you're middle of the day, shark bay, bright, fun, fun. Most of the time you're squeezing a thousandth of a second, say F4 ISO 200 out of the camera and that's the sort of ideal scenario. 
shutter priority, thousands of a second, ISO 200, no higher because ISO 400, 800, et cetera, you start to get, you know, the digital noise that you don't want. And then, and then uh, if you've got a polarizer on, you'd have to fiddle with it, I would have thought, a lot of the time to get the correct polarization for the angle that you're on in order to make it worthwhile. And things are moving so fast that I don't know that you'd have much time to do that. So I just think it overcomplicates it. it it's, I guess, a personal choice, but I think you've got enough to worry about without fiddling around with the polarizer. And I've never looked at any of my track bay pictures and thought, geez, that would have looked so much better if I'd had a polarizer on. Well, it's interesting you say that because I guess given your status in that, um, in this field, if you don't feel it's necessary, then I highly doubt that any of our listeners, myself included, would, would you know, would yeah. feel it's necessary. You know, if you yeah. can get a Tom Putt style image out of your shop without that, <laughs> then I, I feel as though you're doing all right. Mind you, I'd, I'd, I'd probably like to try it one day just to see whether or not I'm missing out and say, God, why have I not been using one for so long? But um, again, once you dehaze these photos, you find that often it just brings out the colour that you want anyway. So therefore, you've got that two stops extra of light. You've got the colour and the result that you want. So therefore, you you don't need to worry about that. I'm also going to say that clarity, to be honest. I think most people, when they whack a polarizing filter on, because they've not spent several hundred dollars on it, most people go and buy, you know, the $100, $200 version of it. I do oh, feel as though easy. you do compromise your quality a little bit. And I think polarizers are far more susceptible to fingerprints yep. that ruin clarity and can also ruin contrast because they catch that little bit of light and they sort of fog up like, like a haze. Um, especially if you're trying to fiddle with, because you're constantly turning it, your fingers are on the filter. You know, you can't just leave the thing alone. So, um, yeah, I feel like people, there's more to destroy than there is to gain. But uh, really interesting because if I looked at your photos just off the bat, I probably would have said, given the colours you're getting out of it and the lack of reflections, they are polarised. But then I guess the angle of light that you're shooting from, it makes sense that you you don't really need to polarise it because the angle of the sun is not, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. completely different. So, yeah. well, yeah. That, that you know what? You've answered so many amazing questions. Thank, Thank you. you. The first time on this podcast where I think you've added some real value to people. <laughs> Thank you. Does um, that mean I get paid this week? You get paid this week. I'll tell you what. I'll send you a couple of free prints out of gratitude. Oh, that's so kind. I've always wanted my free Matt Crummins print. Yeah, I've got some good selfies there, so um, I'll get one done on campus, <laughs> and uh, you can go on the front, the front of the gallery. Oh, that'd be awesome! Thank you very much, Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, mate, it's been great to catch up with you, and I hope you have a fantastic trip. And uh, look forward to seeing more of the adventures as you go along. And let's not be strangers for too long, and um, catch up again shortly for another update. Uh, absolutely sounds like a plan and for those again who would like to experience some of this magic that i'm currently doing tom runs workshops all over western australia including all the places i'm about to head to so you do kimberley workshop you do carrageen's in kimberley isn't it no that's cool i don't know anyway you it's run lots Pilbara. of workshops out that yeah, way yeah, yeah. so um so yeah uh, are you I'm heading sure out to uh, are you heading out to carrageen next basically we're going up the coast and then we're heading to Gib River Road. We're going to yep. Gib River Road and then we're going to go down to Bungle Bungles, then back up to Catherine and then down the centre. So right. got it. Um, yeah. we've, got, we've got quite a bit of driving ahead of us. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. No, but Hopefully some internet connection so we can pick up another episode along uh, the way. 
and contributing and where are you off to next? Contributing to the Australian economy at three dollars per litre. Um, we yeah, exactly, exactly. We are off to the snow, mate. We've had a bumper start to the season, and we hope it continues. Yeah. And we're we're going to run our snow annual snow photography workshop up at Mount Hotham Dinner Plain um, at the end of this uh, end of July, early August. We've got two back to back. Mary comes along, does all the beautiful homemade cooking, etc. And uh, we have um, twelve people coming on those uh, across those two workshops, and they've been waiting. Almost three years now to do that workshop with COVID. Oh, I was gonna say. Plus. So, and what a what a year to be doing it though. Hey, like as you say, what so a great good. start to the season. So yeah, good. Very yeah, exciting. can't wait. We can't wait. Um, so yeah, very much looking forward to that and catching up with those people who we haven't seen in a long time. So that'll be amazing. Well, it sounds like you need to sleep off a bit more of that hangover, Tom. So um, I'll leave you to it. But thank oh, you thanks, for your time. Oh, I just always sound this uh, this crappy this hour of the morning. So um, I'm getting older now, mate. I'm 48. I turned 48. I can the other see day. that in the photo. I know. Oh, did I miss your birthday? You, you always miss my birthday. You never send me I miss everyone's birthday. Again, <laughs> I make a habit of not saying happy birthday to anyone because then I, I know they're not going to remember everyone. So I sort of figure if I get, you know, just set the precedent. This is true. It's not that this I've forgotten. It's just that I don't say it, you know. I also don't believe in birthdays. Well, no, not, I, do, I do believe in them. It's not like Santa Claus. Um, I believe that they exist. I just don't. I'm not the you know, celebration person. <laughs> the, good thing with, the good thing with our friendship is that if I expect nothing and get nothing, well, I'm not disappointed then, am I? 100%. And that's exactly <laughs> the way I treat everything, including my, um, including my anniversary. And, Poor Laura. <laughs> Poor Laura. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh dear. All right, mate. Well, you take care. Love to Laura and Isla and uh, safe travels and we'll catch you again soon. Bye. Bye.